is ChaosCast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health, elevating conversations about metrics, analytics, and software from the Community Health Analytics Open Source Software, or short Chaos Project, to wherever you like to listen. Welcome to this episode. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sustain, a community of open source enthusiasts and professionals that care about the future of open source. Learn more at sustainoss.org. Hello and welcome to Chaos Cast. This is the community podcast. We're actually doing a special revisit episode today, just like we've been doing with John O'Bacon, with Patrick Woods. Lots of amazing and great content revisiting the original podcast. This podcast is actually going to be very, very special. But before we do, let's introduce our two panelists. My name is Samantha Benia Logan. I run sociallyconstructed.online and I've been a longtime panelist here on ChaosCast. And we also have Lori. How are you doing? A new panelist we have here. Hello. Yes. Hi, my name is Lori Goldman. I've sat on this panel before. I'm the developer community lead for IndieKite, which is an open source Web3 decentralized identity program. I'm also the CMX Denver Connect host. I manage events for a 15,000 person association of community managers. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And this is a really wonderful episode, a very special one, because we are revisiting one of our favorite podcast participants. So we are actually going to be interviewing Chris Mercer, he goes by Mercer at measurementmarketing.io. We did have a original conversation with him. You can see that in the show notes, but how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Just dealing with the latest and greatest changes, which I'm sure we will talk about with the different platforms that are out there and the different strategies to address those platforms. So I look forward to having the chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. And for our new listeners, can you kind of give us an introduction? What do you do? Sure. Yeah. As you mentioned, obviously, my name is Chris Mercer. Everybody calls me Mercer. I'm the co-founder of a company called measurementmarketing.io, where primarily we're there to help organizations, marketing teams, individual business owners, figure out what's working in their marketing and what's not. Essentially, how to measure the performance of what their marketing efforts are, and then how to use measurement to improve the performance in order to get more revenue, profits, donations, whatever the end result that they're trying to get. So we teach that using the free tools like Google Analytics and Tag Manager and Data Studio, now Looker Studio. And that's what we've been doing now for almost 10 years. Wow, absolutely. And kind of coming from a very business perspective, right? So measurement using the basis tools, making sure that small businesses are set. So a very different arena to play in, but still really, really important for open source. So hopefully we'll be able to learn something between the two different areas. Looking forward to it. It's just talking about it because it's all measuring behaviors, whether open source or otherwise. There's, all the websites have a conversation that they're having with your users. Measurement helps to sort of understand that side of the conversation. So that's how we use it. Absolutely. Wonderful. So one of the things that we discussed in our first big podcast that we had with you almost two years ago, it's kind of crazy. It's really flown by there was this notion of measuring frameworks and measuring as a system. So I wanted to kind of visit that as a way to reintroduce this concept. Where were we originally with measurement and how have things changed as far as a systems kind of point of view? Sure, it's a good question. So a few years back, you know, we started making a pivot 
toward really emphasizing strategy, measurement strategy. I think there's a lot of tactical emphasis on the tools, like let's learn Google Analytics or let's learn Tag Manager or let's learn whatever the new tool of the day is. And I think there's a lot of confusion that if I learn this tool, then I must know how to measure. And it's like, well, no, that's like saying, if you know how to use a stove, that you must be a chef. And we realized there was a big gap between using the tool and actually the strategy that that tool should be used in. So we really started focusing on strategies and better ways to teach that. So we had originally the five pillars of measurement marketing that we used years ago. And that has since evolved into what we call the measurement marketing framework now. So we've changed it into just simpler process. Where there's just three key steps to it. And then, you know, the three individual keys for each one of those steps and just going through that process over and over and over again helps you to improve your measurement strategy, helps you improve the questions that you're asking, helps to improve the actions that you're taking. And then in that process is where the tools fit in. So it made the tools a little bit more useful at the right time for organizations using that. That was kind of our biggest change. Maybe you can take us through that change. What were the original three pillars and what is this new framework, this new system? Yeah, I mean, the pillars have got incorporated into it. So it's not like anything dramatically changed. It was in terms of losing anything or cutting anything out. It was just an expansion. It was a better way to tell the story. So the framework itself is really, again, three simple steps. First, you build out a measurement plan, figure out exactly what you're going to measure. We'll come back to the specifics in a second. Then you build out what it is that you said you wanted to measure. So then you actually build it out using like Google Analytics or some other tool. And then you go through and you use it. That's what we call launching it actually using, looking for the trends and patterns, understand the conversation, et cetera. So the trick to each one of those, again, three, it is always three stuff. It's just you plan it out, you build it out, and then you launch it and start using it. But in that planning process, there are three unique keys that we teach that. First is asking questions. It's something we call the Kia model, but it starts with questions, which is just figuring out what are the important questions for you to get answers to. Then we think about the information. In other words, what are the behaviors that we need to collect in order to get answers to those questions. And then the most important part of any measurement plan is the part that's often skipped. And that is actions, thinking about what are we going to do when we get these answers? What if the answer is a little higher, a little lower, or if it's just right? What actions are we actually going to take as marketers or as professionals who are trying to adjust the conversations happening on the page? That's kind of that planning process. Again, you think about the questions that you want to answer, the information that you need to collect in order to get those answers, and then the actions you're going to take based upon the answers you get. Now, when you have that plan in place and think about the action step, because you're kind of role-playing all of that. You you think it through in your head, like, what are we going to do if the opt-in rate's lower than we think it's going to be? What if it's higher than we think it's going to be? What if it's just right sort of stuff? When you have that role played out, now when you go into your build, you're actually opening up a tool like maybe Google Analytics 4, right? Kind of the new kid on the block now. And when you're in Google Analytics 4, you are setting it up specifically so that it tells a story, which is kind of that key, what we call a setup setup. So you start to see a natural connection between traffic that's coming in and then what specific results you get from that traffic. And so that's kind of what the build step is all about. It's about making sure that the platform understands what results you're trying to get, that it understands where the traffic is coming from and how those two things are connected, right? So it starts to tell a natural story. So you've got your plan, you've got your build with everything being collected now, and then it's just a matter of using it. And that starts with just listening to the conversation that's happening between the users and the website. That's just pulling trends and patterns, looking at the data, and seeing what directional behavioral, I guess, just perceptions that you're getting from that, from your information, right? From platforms like GA4. So telling you the basic trends and patterns of how people are opting in or how they're not. What pages are seeing, what pages are not. What buttons are clicking, what buttons are not, right? All that sort of stuff. When you have your basic trends and patterns, right? Now that you sort of have an understanding of how things are currently working, you can start to forecast. So once you start listening to the trends and patterns, you start forecasting. And that's where you start to say, okay, well, 
Instead of here's what happened to the money we spent last week on our ads or anything like that, you start saying, well, here's what's going to happen with the marketing efforts that we're going to do next week. And here's how many users should come to the site and go through this specific customer journey. And these are the different steps of those customer journeys where they, so they should drop off what the numbers should look like. So you forecast and you start marketing forward, right? Kind of driving through the windshield instead of driving through the rear view mirror. And then when you measure against your forecast, that's what tells you where to optimize. So that's where you go like, oh, okay, if our opt-in rate was exactly where we wanted it to be, but we didn't get the number of leads we wanted, we would notice, you know, in this hypothetical example, maybe it's because there wasn't enough traffic and the traffic component didn't work. And then we know as, as marketers and marketing teams with our limited resources, where we focus. So measurement sort of points to the direction that says, this is the thing that's most likely going to move your needle. It sort of essentially produces whatever your KPI is. And then you focus on that, get the lever moving, and then you move on to the next new challenge and sort of repeat the process. You make sure to enhance your plan or improve your measurement plan if you need to, to ask different questions, especially once you get answers to the first questions. There's always going to be more. Then you improve your build if needed to collect more information that maybe you're asking about now. And then again, you use it, you launch it, and you listen to the conversation. You start to forecast, you adjust your forecasts as you're getting actual information. It makes the forecast better. And then every time you measure against your forecast, you automatically sort of get dumped into, oh, here's the thing you need to optimize. This is the thing to improve, which makes the whole process just a whole lot easier. So that's the current strategy. Wow, that's incredible. I was wondering, we just talked about what's changed in your business. What Mm -hmm. stayed the same? What stayed the same is, especially over the last couple of years, is maintaining a focus on strategy first, as opposed to having the tendency, especially in our business, there's a lot of changes in terms of the tools. Used to be universal analytics was the darling of the Google Analytics world. That's going away fairly quickly. So Google Analytics 4 is the new kid on the block. Everyone's jumping into that. More people are doing tag manager server side. More individuals are using BigQuery because they have to expand their tools. Then Google Cloud services come in. So there's all these changes in terms of the tools. So when you look at that, it is next to impossible to keep up with all that stuff. But you do your best, right? You sort of have to. So what ties all that together? That is that measurement strategy. And so that's the part that hasn't changed for us is focusing on making measurement a department, focusing on helping companies understand not just how to keep up with all the tools that that is important, but the why they need a tool in the first place. So that's really the biggest thing that stayed the same for us is focusing on strategy first and helping to make sure that companies understand why they should be measuring in the first place and what they should do with all that fun, juicy data that they get at the end of the process. Wow. That's amazing. As someone who works for an open source company and is involved in open source efforts, I was wondering, how do you apply the measurements to open source? For me, it's kind of a human nature of what the pipeline of the behaviors are, right? So everything for me is some sort of customer journey. I don't care what the site is, the app, the framework almost doesn't matter. There's a journey that's happening at a website that the interaction that you have with the user, you want them to go through certain behaviors going from point A to point B to point C. So whatever you set up, I don't think it's so much dependent upon the tech platform as much as it is for the business model that you're using website-wise. It's just making sure that you're measuring for the journey, right? So in our case, we'll teach something called the ACE model, which is you know measuring when somebody's aware of the journey. What behavior might trigger that they're aware of the journey? So some people might say, well, it's a certain page that gets loaded. If they're on this page, we know they're aware of this type of journey that we want them to be on. Maybe it's joining a group or something like that or a certain community that they just now were exposed to. Then it's, okay, well, now that they're aware of something, let's measure when they complete the journey. Maybe that might be the signal of when they actually join the communities. So one is aware of the community. Second one might be, oh, now when they join it and they officially are a part of the community, we've now completed that journey for that particular community. And then there might be some engagement steps in the middle of that. So you would measure maybe 
when they're scrolling down the page, investigating whether or not they want to join that community, whatever it happens to be. So everything is a customer journey. Everything's got some sort of journey of steps. And that's what we try to do is we set up the measurements so that we are measuring when they're aware of the specific journey, when they complete that specific journey, and then as they engage along the way, so that we can measure the drop-offs and see sort of where the conversation may have turned and where marketing or the anybody that's needing to improve copy can actually go and tell them, okay, well, maybe you focus here because they're aware of everything, but they weren't engaging with the messages. And that's why we're not getting new community members, right? Or they are aware, they are engaging, but they're just not joining that community. And if not, well, maybe we can make it more valuable or change the copy or enhance the different benefits as to pitch it in a different way, essentially, why they should take that behavior. But that's the whole point of it. So measure those three stages, no matter what the customer journey is. And for us, it's every product or service a company has has got its own unique customer journey. Content marketing will have its own unique customer journey. The brand itself will have its own unique customer journey. And you're just measuring for the different behaviors that are happening on the website or the app, whatever it is, so that you can sort of say, okay, well, now they're probably better than average chance they're at this stage in that process of the customer journey. And then it just becomes, now you know sort of where they are in that pipeline. Then the goal as a marketer is just, okay, here's the thing we got to focus. This is the bottleneck and let's tweak this stuff or improve this process so they start flowing through a little easier and we get more of the end result we're looking for. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible setup. And the thing I love about that is that it's very front end. It's based upon how people are interacting with what's happening on their browser, on their screen. And a lot of chaos metrics tend to have to do with these motions and these actions as well. How many commits occurred on GitHub in any given time? And based upon that behavior or that action as recorded by GitHub, you're determining the health of the project. And in a lot of cases, you can connect that to a community intelligence platform, one of these new systems coming out. But I also feel like with this methodology, there is a return to simplicity. With the old Google Analytics, you really had to wrestle it to get it to measure the things that you wanted. So a whole bunch of people at GitHub and Batergia here at Chaos were just like, this isn't working. We need new metrics. We need a new system. Are you finding that Google Analytics 4 is starting to move more in line with that synchronicity of measuring behaviors as they happen or as people use the system instead of as the funnel demands it? Where do you see Google Analytics fitting into this new, more authentic way of measurement? Yeah, it's a great question. I think Google Analytics 4 is absolutely more suited to the new world than Universal was. It was just built for a very different world, internet-wise. So there weren't a ton of devices. There weren't a lot of different ways to experience the internet. There wasn't an internet of things back when Universal existed. I mean, they were just barely getting cell phones out back then and when that first was created. So they didn't ever plan that it would be used to measure the world that we now have. So GA4 is completely built for that world. One of the big benefits is, especially between Universal and GA4, is kind of to your point, Universal had a fixed data schema, right? It was like, oh, you have to fit it in a page view or a timing hit or an e-commerce hit or whatever the thing is. And then you have like just generic events that you can capture. And there was some usefulness to that. But even that had a firm a kind of structure that if you just sort of had to deal with. With GA4, the schema is more open, so it can be more customized, which is a good and bad thing. So it's like GA4 is more of a blank slate, which is great in the end. But it's horrible if you're really used to Universal and you sort of have that warm, comfy feeling of that fixed report that you're used to, then you go into GA4 and you're like, oh, I got to kind of fill this with whatever I want. And that can be a challenge for people. So you have to really start thinking through your plan. 
But again, to your point about data and that it's a little easier to measure for very specific behaviors with that data schema, GA4 is absolutely going to be universal. It's super flexible. So we'll measure, for example, we'll have like GA4 has got generic events. Let's call one of those might be a generate underscore lead, they call it. So when somebody is a lead, when they've given you an email in exchange for some sort of value, whether it's a sign up or white paper, whatever it is, they are now a, a lead. And GA4, they have an event that's already reserved for that, something they recommend called generate underscore leads. So you would fire that event. And we do, like in our business, we'll fire generate lead when we have that. And it depends which specific customer journey they just went down. Again, which behavioral path are they going down? If it's for us, we have a free membership called the Toolbox with the Academy. So when they become a Toolbox member, we will fire that generate lead because that's how they get it by becoming a lead. And we will also fire another event that says Toolbox underscore complete as in they've completed the toolbox journey, this particular demographic. And then the beauty of GA4 is you can have all these different parameters that describe the event itself. So I can tell if I wanted to, I could put in like all the specific things as far as which page they join from, which traffic source do they come from. If I have different types of leads, let's say there's a webinar lead versus a, a video series or something like that, I could denote which type of lead it was when it came in. So I can measure to see which type of lead is more likely to turn into some sort of future metric that I'm looking for, like revenue, right? Something like that. But the platform is incredibly flexible. Like I said, it's the good thing. It's also the worst thing for newbies coming in because you have to think very differently about it. And and there's a bit of a learning curve. So it's important that if anybody hasn't gone through GA4 yet, they know they need to, absolutely now is the time to really get into it. So it's going to kick you around for about 90 days until you sort of get your head wrapped around it. Then you get better and better. And then pretty quickly, you'll hockey stick and you'll get, then you'll start going like, I don't know why I didn't flip Universal years ago. That's what I would think about GA4 right now. Highly flexible. It's got a bit of a learning curve, but it is much better suited for most, if not all, measurement tasks at this point. While open source software today is powering critical infrastructure, the open source ecosystem as a whole is rapidly changing, facing challenges for governance, maintenance, maintainer burnout, funding, marketing, and more. Are you concerned about these things for your open source software too? Well, in the Sustain community, we discuss these challenges and share solutions for how to sustain open source in the long haul. We meet once per year in person, and the rest of the time we keep the fire burning in our discourse forum. Join our conversations at sustainoss.org and sustainoss on Twitter. I think that Google Analytics 4 does show a lot of promise, especially for non-coding members in open source communities where developers can pull a lot of information and work on APIs, but non-coding members can now take the lion's share of daily tasks, activities, coordination, and a lot of open source programs. And in that note, I feel like Google Analytics has now opened up as a result of its infrastructure to management and operations on a DevOps and community management level. The system is actually useful now for a lot of community managers who don't need to wrestle or wrangle it into a situation that universal analytics wasn't meant for. It's no longer about the marketing funnel in the marketing department moving to the support team or the sales team. It's no longer about leads. It's about community event generation which I think is incredible. Do you think that GA4 is going to move more into a community operations role in any way? 
I think it'll be directionally useful for any behaviors that are happening from a digital perspective for whatever purpose. I think just kind of doing that is where they're going to keep it. So if there's one type of business model wants to know sort of how they're interacting with the community and as they go through in the community stages, that'll be one particular business would be able to do that. But that's just a series of behaviors that you're measuring for if they go through that particular journey. Somebody else is going to measure for an e-commerce purchase or go through it some sort of cart system, add to cart, and did they check out and everything else. That's a different type of journey, but just measurable behaviors, different measurable behaviors, but just measurable behaviors. So both of those systems, and if you've got a universe where your model has both of those components, could absolutely be put into the GA4. But at the end of the day, it's just because they both have measurable behaviors in common. So anything that's an interactive platform, you know, specifically websites, obviously apps, things like that, as long as there's a measurable behavior that you can define, you can get it into GA4 and it'll work pretty well in that end. And it's got a lot of benefits. The reporting features, if the standard reports, which are okay, but the explorations, the funnel reporting, the ability to modify and create events to set up cross domain, like all that stuff used to really be developer centric and no longer is. So that's where a lot of the empowerment comes through with that platform as well. I have a question. This is something I struggle with as a community manager. And I wonder if you might be able to give me some tips around this. I understand our metrics in the way that I understand them, in the way that I know that this behavior means that someone is coming to our site more regularly and maybe possibly interested in maybe making a purchase. So one of the things I struggle with is how to relate that data to someone who is a CEO, an ops person in their language, in ways that are meaningful to them. So being able to sort of describe the customer journey and sort of where that pipeline is to them. More like I'm seeing this kind of behavior and this kind of behavior could mean that our users are getting better at mentoring each other and answering their questions. So we're saving money on X, Y, and Z. So speaking their language versus speaking community speak. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it totally does. It goes back down to who the reports are for when you're setting it up. So if this goes back to that planning stage we talked about, remember that Kia process, you have questions, information, and actions. The action step, I would work through with them. So you don't necessarily create a report and then hope it's going to work for the stakeholder. In other words, the stakeholder, whoever it is, should not be seeing that report for the first time when you create it. It should be talked about almost like a whiteboard sort of role play back of the napkin, drawing it out, something like that where you're working with them saying, okay, well, what actions would you take if this answer comes in lower than what we think it's going to be? So for example, you were talking about the mentorship behavior, right? So we have this mentorship behavior. We want to know, we expect, let's say we want to know how many people are mentoring or showing mentoring actions. We're going to measure that by people that go to this specific section and reply in this specific way or whatever. That's going to be our measurable behavior. That's how many times we're going to do that. Our, so your hypothesis is, because you should have a forecast, right? Your forecast might be, well, we expect 30% of our, between 30 and 35% of our members, roughly a third, will be helping the mentor other members. That's what we're trying to get to. And then you have the action step. This is where you bring in the stakeholder. Okay, let's assume you get this report and it shows 25% or 20%, substantially lower than where range you want to be. What actions would you take? And they would say, well, we would do this, we would do that, we would do this other thing. Okay, great. What if it's really high? What if it's 75% of the people are mentoring instead of the 30 to 35 What could that potentially mean? And what actions would you take then? Oh, we would do this, that, or the other thing. Okay, great. What if it's just right? What if it's in the sweet spot? What would you do then? And so you talk about that. Two things will happen. One is they might give you some additional information that they might break down the report by. 
And that helps you. You're like, I'm also going to have to make sure I have that in the report because they're going to break it down by traffic source or community type or different community category, right? Whatever the product is they're trying to measure. The other thing that'll happen is they now know how to use the report because you just role played it with them for a report that does not yet exist. So now when you're like, cool, here's your report. I mean, while it is technically maybe the first time they've seen that version of it, they already knew what it was going to look like. They already told you how they were going to use it. They already knew the actions they were going to take. And now your job is just to make sure on that report that you have whatever the answer is and you have what the forecast was. So like, oh, we expected 30, 35%. Turns out it was 20% that were showing mentor behavior. And then they go, well, we already know what we're going to do if it was less because we talked about it in the action step, which is why that's so important. So when you measure against that forecast and it comes in and says, oh, this number is underperforming, they now know what to optimize and they already know the actions they're going to take because they planned it in the first place. And so you avoid the whole like, well, that's interesting to know, but I don't know what to do with that. They can't not know what to do with it because you role played it. Now in the action step, if you cannot get to a useful action, a natural action that they would take if they know the answer, maybe it's because they're measuring for measuring's sake. They're measuring because it would be interesting to know, but not particularly useful. And they will figure it out in the action step. And that's when you say, well, what actions would you take? And they're like, well, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, it'd be good to know. Yeah, okay. And would you deal with it if you did know? I don't really know. Well, I tell you what, let's hold off on that for now. What other questions can we focus on? And you sort of just focus on useful truth. Now you're training them how to ask from the measurement team better information to help them to do their job. Yeah, I love that. And especially in community management, where the lion's share of our job is convincing stakeholders to manage questions less as assumptions and more as deliberative conversations that come to associative action. That was a lot of jargon terms for saying having stronger, more resolute answers to tough problems. I love that conversation and that action. And it kind of reminds me of what I try to do with my clients. It feels like a very systematized way of me saying, I'm going to produce three dashboards for you based upon a what's in it for me perspective, Mm. wherein the first dashboard is the thing that you asked for. It's community ROI. How do you determine that community value based upon each of your individual contact points where your departments are using the community to leverage results? And that dashboard is great. It's fine. Answers your questions. But that doesn't tell you about community health. And it certainly doesn't tell you about the efficacy of your community team. So you create two dashboards that answer those questions separately from those metrics. And the first one is your community team's value. Your community ROI is based upon, and I got this from you, Mercer, results and how. What exactly is happening in your departments and how is community impacting that? And then the second one is all about your community team. What precedence is your community team setting in your community? And how are they building momentum to change community culture in a way that is helpful for business goals? And then you have this third one, which is, again, what's in it for me? You have the executive's perspective. You have your community team's perspective. Now it's time to do a pulse check on your actual community. What's in it for your community members? And it's there where online community health can really flourish and thrive without the weight of having to prove the other two. So kind of feel like that conversation that you're recommending that you're having kind of fits into the same methodology, the same approach to saying, what's in it for me? What does the actual value look like? 
And can we ask specific questions for specific stakeholders and answer them in a way that produces action? Exactly. For them, that the stakeholder can take action from it. That's exactly right. Since the whole point of that at action step is having that conversation to role play, because most organizations, they'll just say, well, I need a report that shows X, X, Y, and Z. And then they get a report that shows X, Y, and Z, but it's a data table or it's a spreadsheet. And that person's like, oh, like I didn't really want to see a bunch of numbers. I have no idea what to do with this. And then it's like, well, you asked for it, right? But they didn't really want X, Y, and Z. They didn't know how else to say, I just need to know if we need to turn traffic up or down. Like they didn't know how to say the action that they're taking. And that's why the measurement team can help with that by walking through that process. How do you need to see just because we call it events in GA4 doesn't mean it'll be called events in their report. We would flip it to whatever they call it because if the report is using their language, it's telling their story. And then where the translation team comes from. Here's how we can tell, here's what the site is saying in terms of interactions, how the community is working through the site and the different journeys that are on that site. And then we translate that into telling that story on the dashboard that the stakeholders already basically agreed to the general idea of how it's supposed to flow and how they're going to use it. And then when they use it, they're more likely to actually get very fast action from it. And in their case, probably not a whole lot of analysis required, right? Because they're just trying to see headline numbers for directional actions they're going to take. But then once you give them that, because they are getting those wins, they start going, oh, finally, I've got story. I don't just have a bunch of information and data. I've got story and I can take action. And then they will come back to you. And now you become a true resource for the team, but they get better at asking results and how questions. You will, as your team improves and its technical skills improve, you might add in a tag manager eventually or some other tool that you need to collect information now because you're asking more detailed, more specific results and how style questions, right? Like you were talking about. And then you just sort of rinse, okay, what actions will you take with these? And it just rinse and repeat. You go through that process over and over again. So every time your organization goes through that framework, that plan, build and launch framework, every time they go through it, they come back through it with just a little bit more muscle from the last time. So they get a little bit more measurement muscle. So every time you use the framework, you actually get better at measurement, not just the tactical components of it, but also the strategic components of it. The company gets better at not only measuring things, but also using what they're measuring. And every time they get better and better at it. So it's one of those systems that is is sort of self-healing and self-guiding. That's why that framework exists. So that no matter what, as long as you just keep going through it, you cannot help but get better and better and better over time for everybody's sake. Thank you. That was super helpful. I'm always looking for better ways to communicate with management and stakeholders. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, quite welcome. And it is tough sometimes because they don't know how to say, they don't know the words, right? They don't know how to translate in our world and they don't have the time to learn it. The translation thing is the biggest thing for me when I'm doing that. It's like, okay, so I know I'm going to think it's going to be, a, I'm doing an event name with X different parameters and this is what I'm going to collect, but I'm not saying that to them at all. I'm just like, what would you like to know? And what's the story? Okay, so if I had a report that showed this, And it was a big like graphic image that said like a handshaking of mentors, like that's a mentor image. And would that show 25% with the number here, would that let you know? And underneath it, it says the goal of 30 to 35%. They go, yeah, that'd be amazing if we knew that. Then they have buy-in, they give you more resources. So then you get what you need, whether that's time or budget for certain tools. And it just hopefully just gets better and better and better with time. It's That's that's beautiful. Thank you. Value. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's all about the value. So one of the things about this though, Because I kind of want to step back and problematize this a little bit because we have a framework that is absolutely incredible, but you also mentioned we have to go through it again and again and again. So measurement is no longer about producing this dashboard, going through, asking these questions, getting a dashboard, answering these questions, and then being done with that for the year. 
until you come back to this next January. It sounds like there's a certain workload that can't include measurement as a project anymore. And I know that I'm kind of leading this into something that I heard from you at our conference, Measure Summit that you ran about how measurement is now changing. Can you go a bit more into that? Yeah, I mean, short answer to that is used to be, right? Like measurement could be kind of a project. There wasn't much to it. There was just Google Analytics. There really wasn't anything else back in the day. No tag manager, no data studio, now Looker Studio, right? None of that stuff existed. So it was easier to say, well, I'm just going to set up some goals and now I've got my Google Analytics set up and I can just use it. In other words, project, right? Sort of a fixed thing, just use it. But true measurement, measurement done well, it constantly evolves. As soon as you get answers to the first set of questions, you're going to have other questions. And so your measurement will have to improve with time, which means that instead of just thinking about measurement as a project, measurement is now a department in an organization, right? Cutting edge organizations, that is what they are doing. They are investing in measurement. Something that we have done in our own organization is it's such a focus that measurement is now in charge of marketing where it wasn't that before. So it used to be that marketing was sort of in charge of measurement, going to the measurement team and saying, here's the stuff we want. But we realized, again, kind of what we talked about earlier, marketers don't know what to ask for. They don't know what to ask the measurement team for because they don't understand it as well as the measurement team does. But the marketers absolutely know how to do copy, how to write offers, right? They come up with different models. They know that stuff. That's what they're really good at is that creative energy. In other words, they've got lots of marketing muscle, but they don't know where to focus it. And measurement doesn't have any muscle to get marketing stuff done, but they absolutely know where to point. And so that's what started happening is you put measurement in charge of the marketing team. Measurement then goes and says, okay, here's how the numbers are. Here's what the story is. Here's what it should be looking like. Here's what it currently looks like. We would like the marketing team to focus on this area to improve this particular number, whether it's getting people to look at a certain part of the page for a certain period of time or just getting traffic to the page. Maybe it's an increase in traffic for a certain customer journey that needs to happen. So measurement then dictates, hey, marketing, we need you to achieve this. And then marketing takes certain actions. Measurement then measures against it. Did it work? Are they making progress? And then as measurement gets its answers, it knows what the next level of questions are because now they're in charge of it. They don't sit and wait for marketing to ask. They just automatically create that new report, create that new dashboard, create that new customer flow, and then use it to continue to direct marketing assets that we've gotten resources. So that's sort of the big, big change in terms of just what we've seen over the last couple of years in the industry, besides the fact that there's new tools every day, which is another reason why measurement's a department. Now you've got GA4, you've got Tag Manager, you've got Server Side, you've got Facebook Cappy stuff going on, you've got Looker Studio and just and BigQuery and probably something else that's going to happen in the next six months that people will start using. I mean, it's just what it's going to be like. But because it needs that constant, relentless focus to keep up with everything and to keep that strategy in place, that's why it is a department now. It needs resources. And companies that invest in it, I think it's almost like a little turbocharger for your marketing engine. It's like you snap it on top of your marketing. When you snap measurement on top of your marketing, it just supercharges the whole vehicle. So that's sort of how we think about it. Yeah. And the reason why I brought this up, especially on Chaos Cast, is that there's this translation now where we have to go from marketing as an organizational department and measurement as an organizational department into how this is going to translate into open source and inner source projects, which are largely managed as commitment projects and setups. So now we have this added layer that GitHub projects and OSPOs are going to need to deal with, DevOps are going to need to run with. And we're already experiencing a similar transition 
in the world of online community where we were nested in marketing or nested in sales and we were debating and arguing where we should live. Now we're becoming like this whole new department set. How do you imagine um, community and this new notion of a measurement department meshing and working together? I think they go hand in hand. It's a good question. I obviously speak in terms of measurement working with a marketing team because marketing is, in our case, that's just our business model, right? So it's a comfortable way of speaking about it. But if our product wasn't currency, right? It wasn't trying to generate revenue and profits, but it was trying to generate community engagement, I would run measurement the same way, except measurement is now working with the community team to say, here's how they're moving through the community. Here's how you thought they were supposed to be moving through the community. And then here are the actions you can now take to get more people moving through the community. Maybe it's sending an email to say, hey, go check out this thread and get people engaged on a certain topic that maybe needs a little bit of love or something like that. So measurement, I think, can still be used in that process. Anything that's a set of behaviors that you're trying to encourage, right, or to influence that are happening on your platform, measurement is just it's necessary. You can't not use measurement because otherwise you won't know if it's working or not. So that's sort of how we stitch those two things together. If it's a behavioral journey that you're measuring for, that's where measurement is in charge of that to report the stories back. As long as you go through that process, the Kia process specifically, you'll keep yourself from measuring for measuring sake, which is the number one mistake I think most people make. They collect too much data, not enough story. And because you are measuring the things that you know you're going to take action on, the community leaders, community managers can actually get more useful actions from the reports, which is a little bit of information there, but without a ton of numbers, they can just see, oh, here's what I need to go do. Here's the, I need to go post a little more here or work on if they're managing a mentor team, go to the mentors and say, hey, can you now engage with these different things over here or bring in these new members? And you can measure for all of that and have a report that shows the health of the community. But it would be the exact same process, same strategy, just a different style of measurement, but it is still measurement. Thank you so much for this, all of this incredible knowledge and information and especially coming back and updating your prior episode. For our listeners, we actually do have that episode linked in the show notes, as well as a new Chaos Cast abridged series where we are taking a lot of our older episodes, putting them into a smaller takeaway package set. And then when we notice that those episodes just need to be refreshed, we'll add them in. So Mercer, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast, updating us on the world of measurement in marketing. And I really hope that all of you wonderful listeners have gotten a lot of amazing nuggets that you can go back and operate in your open source communities. Mercer, one of the things that we tend to do at the end of our podcasts here at Chaos Cast is just have a value add. And this doesn't need to be related to your business, but it can be. What's going on in your day-to-day life that you think can really empower or help others around you? I am so focused on measurement strategy right now. I'm just in it 24-7. It is all I think about is trends and patterns and measuring for that stuff. So for me, it's just if you're trying to get into measurement, if you're trying to wrap your head around these tools, start by learning strategy first. Learn how to be a chef so that you can learn how to use a stove. Don't reverse it. Don't try to use a stove and then think you're a chef. Focus on the strategy first. The tools themselves, you get good enough to get going. You just start with where you are. Don't worry about being perfect in GA4. Just start using it. It's going to be clunky. It's going to be not as intuitive as maybe the other platforms that you've used in the past. But if you just stay focused on the good enough to get going, you're getting a little bit better every single time you get into it. Even if it's just a little bit better, right? You are still making progress. And with enough time, especially between now and the end of the year of 2022, as you go into 2023, 
you'll have a lot, you'll be so much further ahead than a lot of organizations are going to be with GA4. So you can get more from it faster and grow. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I think it's a really powerful value add to say, hey, it's really, really important that you go back to the reason why you're doing this work. Because I know that for a lot of open source individuals and as a non-coding member, I can get really overwhelmed by a large majority of these systems coming out. And I think community intelligence platforms are a really perfect example, right? They're new on the scene. They're a completely different way of merging different data flows. But at the end of the day, it's just like Google Analytics. They're meant to be tools that achieve a specific strategy. So really good value add. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Yeah. I think that for me, I have been spending an immense amount of time lately focusing on the dailies in my life, focusing on publishing videos, doing podcasts, appearing on events. And a lot of times it's taken some effort for me to really pull myself back from these incredibly heart-filling events to do the things that really matter for my business. And I would say that one of my value adds is taking a step back from all of the day-to-day, not looking at your calendar and just saying, what do I actually want to do today that's really going to contribute to my project or create a commitment? Those long-term things that we tend to put on the back burner, let's just do another one. So I've actually started to add to my calendar about four hours twice a week where I get to do whatever I want. It doesn't need to be included anywhere else. And I got to say, it's really gotten a lot more done. So I would say that's my value add. I love that. Yeah, it's really cool. I like the focus back to basics and carving out time so you actually can protect that. That's really great. So thank you so much, Mercer, for being on the Chaos Cast. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for this brand new format where we are revisiting a lot of our older Chaos Casts. If you would like to be on the Chaos Cast community podcast, we would absolutely love to have you. Just message us or participate anywhere in the Chaos community and we'd be happy to learn more about what incredible thing you were doing in your own corner of the world. Thank you so much for listening. And until our next Chaos Cast, have a wonderful day.